Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? The flight was delayed. My first time flying private, and uh, I guess this is what happens. This is <laughs> this is how the other half lives. I think maybe I prefer commercial. I don't know, but um, yeah, the flight uh, the flight was de- the flight is delayed due to crew rest. So I've learned a lot. I'm gonna talk. Uh, by the way, the poet is a nice image of XO, and uh, and the, and the code today is XO too. Um, just two X and an O. And X's and O O O's. So um, leaves now at eleven forty, and just puts a little bit of undue pressure. Only because I get into uh, West Palm Beach at like two thirty, and then it's like a an hour and a half um, drive at least down to Miami. So I'm really hoping. Um, what I didn't realize is if you book a, it's it's actually kind of cool, right? Like if you if you book a rental car, they can actually have the car waiting for you, like on the tarmac, if you let them know within 24 hours. So I'm going to see if I can still get it delivered today, but probably won't. Um, but that's it's just kind of cool stuff, you know. Um, so I'm I'm kind of only thing I'm a little bummed about is I uh, wanted to see my son. I mean, I am going to see him, but um, we're going to go look at. Uh, some apartments that he might stay in um, next next uh, um, school year. Um, so I'm just hoping that we'll still be able to do that. And if not today, we'll we'll make a plan tomorrow. There's always a way. There's always a solution uh, at the end of the day. So I want to um, I want to share something with you. So I'm going to do that in the cafe chat. Um, I created the poem um, rather. Um, rather, I would say, um, hurriedly this morning, like early this morning. Um, but I think it looks kind of good. So I'm going to put that in the cafe chat right now. This is, the, I mean, this is the image. This is not the actual poet, uh, but this is the image that I actually put into, um, that will be the poet today. We met IRL at NFT Miami 2023. In my name, my email address, my cell number, Joseph Jaffe is not famous and Alpha Collective. What I want them to remember about me is my talk show and um, and uh, my collective, my premium community. And uh, in the actual uh, copy of, of the POAP, it actually says, present this POAP to me at any time over the next year, 
at another IRL event and I'll buy you a drink. So it's, it's a business card with a benefit. Uh, and, uh, and I don't think anyone's done that before. I might be, can I say I'm the first person in the world to do that? Why not? I am. I'm going to say I'm the first person in the world or one of the first people in the world to actually use a POAP as a business card. Um, so um, the way I'm actually going to execute it is I have, um, I think, I don't know, maybe I did 100 Mint links and, um, and I'll put those into like a note. And then every time I meet someone, I mean, it's a bit clunky how I'll execute it, but I'll just kind of like um, highlight a URL and, uh, and then I will text it to them. You know, so it is a little, as I said, it's a little clunky in terms of how to get the URL to them. Would be awesome if I, for example, had a folder with um, that I could like airdrop um, the the actual link or, or you know what I mean? It's like, um, so th- so that's that's the execution. The execution is I have 100 URLs, uh, unique URLs that will mint the actual POAP. And I'll obviously either have to email it to them or text it to them. Um, I, I don't think you can airdrop a, like a, like you can airdrop something like a, like a, like a piece of text. It would be nice if you could actually, maybe you can, maybe you can like airdrop text. Um, that would be cool. Um, but I mean, without knowing their cell number, um, but yeah, so, um, that's how I'm going to be giving my business card, uh, to people. And, um, I think it's a pretty cool use case. So I thought what I would do today um, is, and, you know, maybe, Bez, if you want to, you can jump up at some point if you had planned something. Um, and you could still do that, actually, if you want to. I'm recording this, so uh, we'll have a record of it, which is nice. Um, hello to Christopher and Praxim. Um, I pulled uh, Mark Schaefer's book, um, Belonging to the Brand. Um, the subhead is Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy absolutely love that subhead and um, very big writing in the book. Um, so there are about 200, uh, 262 pages and big writing for the old people. Um, so that's very nice. I do what I always do, which is I go and uh, I look and see if I'm included in the book. I'm not. Wah, wah, wah. Um, so sometimes, you know, that, that's the uh, narcissist in me. I always see if I'm, you know, if someone's referenced me in the book. Um, I see there is uh, uh, Lady Gaga is referenced. Um, Justin Ken, uh, uh, who else? Mitch Mitch Jackson. Come on, Mitch Jackson gets a mention, and I don't. There will be letters. Um, I'm only joking, hopefully, you know, a little. Um, but um, I actually happened to open up the book to uh, chapter three, and believe it or not. Writing is really big in this book. It's too big for me. Um, Chapter three was the business case for community. So let's read it. I'll read it a bit. Chapter three, the business case for community. Not long ago, I traveled to the city of my birth, Pittsburgh, and visited the most famous cheese store in the state of Pennsylvania. Perhaps it's the most famous cheese store in America or the world. Who's to say? In 1902, three brothers from Sicily, Augustino, Salvatore, and Michael Sunseri, started a little handmade pasta company now known as Pennsylvania Macaroni Company. The young immigrant family worked bravely to keep the operation afloat through the Great Depression, two world wars, and a devastating fire that nearly destroyed their business. Today, the store still bustles in Pittsburgh's historic Strip District, selling 200,000 pounds of cheese each week. This magical store holds a special place in Schaefer family history. My grandfather shopped at the store for decades. If his business as a plumber took him across the Allegheny River, he might bring home a special sausage or cheese from what he called the Italian store. My family didn't have much money, so this was a special occasion. I had a warm feeling as I entered the store through its familiar red doors and worn wooden floors. I'd been away for 40 years. The store still run by the Senseris had doubled in size, but the heart and soul was still the cheese counter. Its glass case had to be 30 feet long and filled with 400 different types of cheese and every sort of imported sausage and smoked meat imaginable. I stood against a wall and watched the legendary business in action. An employee nicknamed Deerheart 
because that's what she calls every customer. Get it? Dear heart, like dear Bez or dear Jensa or dear Praxim or dear Christopher. Dear heart, not like a dear, a doe, a dear, right? But D-E-A-R-H-E-A-R-T. An employee nicknamed Dear Heart, because that's what she calls every customer, greeted an elderly woman wearing a colorful scarf around her head. How are you, Mrs. Sullivan? And how is Mr. Sullivan this week? Not too well, the customer replied. He fell again and broke a rib. He's in an awful lot of pain. Oh my goodness, dear heart. Let me pack up a little something extra for Mr. Sullivan. We just got in some of his favorite cheese. Tell him I hope he feels better. Mrs. Sullivan chatted with dear heart a bit longer, but didn't leave the store after collecting the precious Fontina cheese for her ailing husband. She ambled to a corner where she recognized a familiar face, and soon there were four neighborhood friends talking about Mr. Sullivan's sore ribs. And then they were all laughing over a story. I couldn't hear everything, but it had something to do with a nephew falling in a puddle of mud at his high school prom in a white tux. As I watched this unremarkable scene unfold, I unexpectedly felt a deep yearning. I wanted to belong to this. I wanted someone to call me dear heart and wrap up special cheese for me when I'm feeling blue. I want to go to a store and find my friends and laugh. Although I'm just one generation removed from this everyday neighborhood shopping scene, I've never experienced such a gathering place. I hate shopping. Wandering through a mall gives me anxiety, but a visit to the Pennsylvania Macaroni Company isn't shopping. It's gossiping and smelling and tasting and laughing and maybe even getting a hug from dear heart. It's a place to belong. This was the way the world operated for most of our human history. Village store owners knew your favorite meat or cheese or flowers, your birthday, your name, your kids. And this is why I boldly proclaim that community is the last great marketing strategy. It was the first marketing strategy. It's the only marketing strategy people really want. Intellectually, psychologically, and emotionally, customers need it. And creating community might be the last effective strategy we have left uh, as access to customer data permanently. Let me read that again. And creating community might be the last effective strategy we have left as access to customer data permanently migrates from web-based cookies to private wallets owned by customers in a Web3 environment. More on that in Chapter 11. Do we have a choice? Perhaps the most compelling reason to consider community-based marketing strategy is that you may not have a choice. Many of our tried-and-true marketing practices are fading away. It's harder to reach audiences. The cost of marketing is going up. The number of channels has exponentially grown, and the cost to cover those channels has proliferated, said Jay Pattersall of Forrester. It's a continual pressure cooker for marketers. We're no longer just creating advertising campaigns three or four times a year and running them across a few networks and print. For a long time, the most efficient way to sell stuff was simple. Buy ads, ads worked, ads were a bargain. They made you or your brand a little famous. For most of my lifetime, marketing was advertising and then it wasn't. In a stunning experiment, ad executive Ted McConnell tested how banner advertising represented actual engagement with the brand versus noise, people clicking for no reason. To do this, He created a unique ad with no message. It was blank. What were the results? The click-through rate on the blank ad was 0.08%. It sounds like most NFT prices these days. Uh, The click-through rate on the average Facebook ad is about 0.05%. The blank ad performed 60% better than a brand ad. By the way, I know Ted McConnell, uh, XPNG, very well. So um, let's repeat that again. The blank ad performed 60% better than a brand ad. The click-through rate for the blank ad was about double the average click-through rate for a branding display ad, an ad without an offer. About 0.04% of the clicks were mistakes. Since the average click-through rate for display ads is is 0.09%, this indicates that as much as 44% of banner ad clicks are mistakes. With all the data Facebook is collecting, all the geniuses analyzing display ad results, and all the digital gurus lecturing on the magic of online advertising, this experiment showed 
that empty ads outperformed brand messages. Consumers are racing away from ads and signing up for streaming subscription services by the millions. More than 800 million consumers worldwide have ad blockers on their smart devices, making it the, large human, the largest human rebellion in history. The advertising industry faces an existential need for change, according to Pedersel. Agencies must disassemble what remains of their outmoded model or risk falling further into irrelevance. Another strategy on the ropes is search engine optimization, SEO, the strategy behind ranking high in the search results for a generic term. Only the biggest, meanest, richest junkyard dogs in the industry can occupy the top three search results and make a huge profit. Everyone else is left to spend money on consultants and link trickery to somehow rank higher. The math can't support this anachronistic scheme. It's time for a radical new approach to marketing, and we must consider community part of the mix. We have this deep-seated need to be part of something bigger, said Jonathan Mildenhall, the former chief marketing officer of Airbnb, who helped turn its followers of travelers into home-sharing zealots. When we were cavemen, we didn't sit around the fire looking for happiness. We were looking for belonging. A historic moment for community. As I described the community of the Italian store, did you feel the same longing? If you had a place like that on on your street, would they have to interrupt you with YouTube ads or pay an SEO specialist so their Fontina cheese ranks on Google? No. When customers belong to your place, either in real life or online, the marketing is over, at least in a traditional sense. The good news is you don't need 400 kinds of cheese to build your community. It's happening in Fortune 500 companies. It's happening in nonprofits, at universities, in churches, in schools. It's happening down the street in your local cheese shop. Sometimes an idea just needs the right moment, and the moment for the brand community is now. Time to get off the social media merry-go-round that goes faster and faster but never gets anywhere. Time to stop hustling and interrupting. Time to stop spamming and lead nurturing, which is just a polite way of saying, I'm going to keep annoying you until you block me. Let's create something we're proud of, something our customers actually like. The idea of brand communities isn't new. The first web-based community was launched in 1985 as the Whole Earth Electronic Link, otherwise known as The Well. To quote The Well's about page, it's widely known as the primordial ooze where the online community movement was born. It didn't take long before the site hosted an array of eclectic conversations, leading Harold Rheingold to coin the term virtual community. As internet popularity grew in the 1990s, almost every brand, uh, major brand experimented with online communities, including Procter & Gamble, Ford, IBM, and Shell Oil. But these early efforts failed for three reasons. Number one, bandwidth limitation. The internet speed was so slow back then that remarkable ideas we take for granted today, like sharing videos or streaming music, were impossible. The early sites were infinitely more boring compared to what we have today. Number two, price tag. Brands had to create their own destination sites at a massive cost. These unique branded sites required consumers to log into a Coca-Cola community site called Journey, for example. Companies couldn't generate enough interest to become a standalone community worthy of an extra click Sophisticated platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, and Slack that host thousands of free communities didn't exist back then. And number three, community-centered, not consumer-centered. Sorry, company-centered, not consumer-centered. The first brand communities were designed to promote and sell products rather than offer an experience people desired. It was a sales channel, not a customer community. Later, communities evolved to focus on problem-solving and customer service. So let's just repeat that, bandwidth, price tag, and company-centered. Today, more than 70% of all brand communities remain focused on customer service as a primary objective. Aberdeen found that firms using an online community platform decrease customer support costs by 33%. While this is a fine and worthy objective, businesses are ignoring the full marketing potential of the brand community. Another indicator of this latent potential is that 47% of the respondents to a community research report were from the tech industry. 
there are plenty of wide open spaces for marketing innovation. Understandably, there's still uncertainty around how to invest in community. A deeply entrenched marketing or advertising industrial complex fights to keep the status quo in place, even if it doesn't work. And yet the benefits for the bold and brave marketers building community are significant. Let's break down 10 reasons why businesses can no longer ignore the economic power of brand communities. Um, I'm going to take a break and just tell you what the 10 are. Um, and I'm also going to just see how much uh, more uh, we have in the chapter. We might even be able to get through it all. But they are brand differentiation, market relevance, speed of information, trust, the center of advocacy, brand loyalty, the soul of co-creation, community as a service, community connection to culture, and number 10, a solution for consumer data. And then Mark says, and you know, you're going to have to buy the book to read those. And then he says, and one more. There's another significant business benefit of communities that I'm not exploring in this book, employee satisfaction and retention. The case study at the end of chapter two mentions how Jessica Phillips eliminated her employee recruiting costs through community. While there is a substantial overlap between successful brand and employee communities, there are enough differences that I don't want to go down that rabbit hole in this book, but I want at least to mention it. Self-worth and self-identity. I started this book with facts showing how our stressed-out world is longing to belong, resulting in an undeniable megatrend of our time. But can a community created by a company actually help a person who's feeling depressed and lonely? The answer is yes. Since it was published in 1986, a famous paper titled The Social Identity Theory of Intergroup Behavior has generated an enormous amount of subsequent research, especially in the field of marketing. According to this theory, a person's identity is created from two components. The personal identity is derived from personality features like ability, skills, and beliefs, things you know about, and two is the social identity. It comes from belonging to a group and is based around what others think of you and what they tell you that you are. Sounds like image, too. When an individual belongs to a brand community, a mutually beneficial bond occurs. Researchers conclude that the brand love experienced and expressed in a community contributes to both individual feelings of self-worth and positive brand advocacy. There are so many benefits and opportunities from brand communities that I could go on and on, but instead of telling you about them, I'd rather have my friend Dana Malstaff show you in chapter four. So I'm going to go ahead and just finish the chapter and then we can chat about it if you like. Case study, the ROI of community. Summary, a sportswear retailer charges triple the price for a standard product with a contribution from community. Among the many mysteries of the internet is why we see what we see online. While browsing YouTube, a video was suggested to me. Why are Lululemon, Lululemon's leggings so expensive? Sounds like a tongue twister. This puzzled me since I've neither shopped at Lululemon nor worn their leggings. Even more mysterious is that YouTube apparently knew that I would click on this darn video. I suppose I am the marketing moth predictably drawn to the YouTube flame. Lululemon started in Vancouver, Canada in 2000 as a single store selling yoga gear. The company expanded rapidly and became a beloved global brand. Despite its famously high prices for products that often sell out quickly, 95% of their sales are at full price, the retailer has developed an obsessive fan base. Now, back to those leggings. Close-fitting, high-rise garments worn over the legs, typically by women. The average retail price for leggings is about $30, but at Lululemon, the cheapest pair is $100, and they can go up to 140. It's estimated that the markup on this item is nearly 3,200%. Nice. Although the company is known for its attention to design, durability, fit, and fabric quality, the propellant for this extraordinary pricing is the sense of belonging built through the Lululemon culture. Here are three ways this company helps its customers belong. Number one, the Sweat Collective. Lululemon customers are referred to as the Sweat Collective a way to unify and inspire people with an active lifestyle. 
The company creates unique, inclusive, community-led experiences in its stores, its neighborhoods, and online. For example, customers can opt in for an in-store yoga class, a community 10K race, or an online workout. Lululemon is also experimenting with experiential stores, 20,000 square foot spaces complete with a yoga studio, meditation space, smoothie and coffee bar, and areas for community events. A technology offering called Mirror simulates the in-studio workout experience with cutting-edge hardware, responsive software, and best-in-class content that transforms any room into a complete home gym. Customers can experience thousands of on-demand workouts ranging from boxing and yoga to dance and more. And Lululemon acquired Mirror a few years ago. At the time, you know, it was kind of like you, people were thinking, should I buy a Peloton? Should I buy a Mirror? Um, and Lululemon acquired them. Number two, uh, activate community leaders. Communities are built on trust, and trust is usually associated with a person. A year before each store opens, Lululemon scouts the immediate area to identify influential yoga, running, and fitness instructors willing to become community ambassadors. Wow, that is brilliant. Stores choose, that's me, Jaffe, saying, <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. Uh, stores choose local ambassadors to be leaders that reflect the company's culture and passion for fitness and health. This partnership creates authentic and engaging relationships with a real person from that city. And number three, employees as conversation starters. Store employees called educators are encouraged to discuss exercise goals and fitness tips with customers. They seem more like gym buddies than sales associates. In fact, they're instructed to dress like they're going for a workout. Most Lululemon employees are athletic, so they have shared values with their customers. Each retail location is organized and designed to encourage conversations. Employees have an efficient system to stock and maintain the store, freeing up more time for human interactions with customers. Nina Gardner, Lululemon's community relations manager, said, <clears throat> Relationships with customers, that's what really sets us apart from being just another retail store that sells clothes. We are building relationships. We are building communities. As a result of this community culture, the Lululemon Sweat Collective spends more, exhibits more brand loyalty, and provides more profitability than almost any group of retail customers on earth. They're not customers. They're a community. And so I will stop there and take a break. Uh, Bez, uh, Christopher, if you'd like to come up and join me a little bit, um, and uh, and continue the conversation. Uh, that would be uh, awesome. Uh, Bez did say uh, Mark is good and his domain is marketing. However, I'm not sure about retention and employee engagement. Well, I'm already disagreeing with you on that one, Bez. I really disagree with you. Uh, but let's see what else you said. Recruitment has nothing to do with the two items above other than recruiting people that align with organizational values. I once saw a video of him being interviewed and he quickly blamed HR for an issue that 100% is laid at the feet of the hiring manager. I actually respectfully commented and sort of questioned his line of thinking. He didn't respond, nor was his response coherent. Ooh, these are fighting words, buddy. Now you've got to come up. And uh, what's go? So wait, what are you saying, Bez? Are you saying you, you don't think... T t let me repeat what you said. Um, you said... Uh, I'm not sure about, oh, so you're saying you're not sure that, that Mark's domain is retention and employee engagement. Yeah, it, it may not be, um, but what, do, what are you saying as it results? Uh, are you referring to community um, and employees? No, oh, okay, so what, he made a statement. You read something. Um, if you could repeat it, and it just totally, like he said, he wasn't going to um, write about employee ret uh, retention in this book or something he was trying to come across from what i read or from what you said as someone who could talk in that domain and and i really don't think that's his domain so oh, i, I see, mean I unless uh, yeah well, yeah let me find let me find uh what he said and, and in fact let me while you find that um i'm, I'm oh, i mean is. he's really okay go ahead so he says um there's one, there's another significant business benefit of communities that I'm not exploring in this book, employee satisfaction and retention. So he's saying that uh, there is a significant business benefit of community with respect to employee satisfaction and retention. 
So that when I said I'm disagreeing, like I, with you, like if you were okay, saying, I, 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 yeah, I can, I can see saying. the the tie-in. In the, yeah, I can see the tie-in to that. Absolutely. Um, I just uh, look if if he wants to talk about employee engagement, imminent uh, satisfaction, he's going up against the giants of Gallup who do this all day long. You know, this is their domain, right? Well, and it, they have it, it does. Yeah. It does seem I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, uh, you know reconcile the by by saying that maybe uh, first of all uh, I'm sure Mark will listen to this because I'm going to tell him that we discussed his book and there was a challenge and I'm sure that he was he would in the most considerate fashion respond to you and maybe come into our Discord and have this conversation. I didn't plan um, on reading the book today. I'm super glad I did because I just absolutely loved the chapter and um but but I, I mean i think so i think there are a couple of points um first of all i want to just take a step back and say um did you feel uh, as i was reading this uh could you send could could you i don't know if you kind of made the connection but i certainly did very similar to to what i wrote in life after the 30 second spot in 2004 you know, even the stuff about advertising and brand proliferation, and uh, you know, and community. I said, you know, um, I said the the um, you know that uh, community basically is the killer app for business. Um, so I don't just just to frame it properly. I love I love seeing this now in twenty twenty three because it just valid. It's validation. You know, it's not. It uh, just to be clear, I'm not saying oh, I said it first. I mean, many people have said it, and there are p- probably people that said it before me. Um, but I love the fact that there is this beautiful thread that goes back to 2004. You know, communal marketing, marketing to and through communities. I mean, the difference now is um, is that community might be the last great marketing strategy. I mean, this may be marketing's last end, and. And I think, you know, in life after the 30-second spot, community was one of 10, right? Now, Mark's saying, like, what else you got? He's saying, you know, digital you know, digital was my number one. Search was my number two, right? There were others, like consumer-generated content. He just spoke about Lululemon, you know, being served Lululemon. So what you got left, what you got left is communal marketing, marketing to and through communities, um, and so, like for me, that was like what, that hit me like a ton. And and it should, I think, um, community's been talked about since the dawn of time. If you if you do a search for um, community, uh, there's over eighty thousand books on Amazon. You know, has marketing missed an opportunity to embrace community as part of a, a marketing pillar? Absolutely, but. Uh, so be it. They're here. They're now, and they see it as the last, um, last stand. Um, I, in my profession in HR and recruitment, have learned a lot from the marketing function. I love to go across the aisle and look at what is marketing doing that's excellent that I can bring over here and make our function better. And I think it, it, you know. As I look across the corporate functions, you find pockets of excellence that they do stuff really good. And it's not just HR that should be doing this. It should be every department. Hey, who's and, and even outside of your organization, because there's winning, there's gold nuggets in how like marketing. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, people are like, oh, how do we get people? How do we get the right people just in time and all this? And I'm like, well, let's look what marketing does. And then they have this funnel. So 10 plus years ago, I was talking about, uh, um, people were talking about pipeline development. And I'm like, we got to look at this from like how uh, marketing looks at it from, from a funnel perspective. How do we get a person and how do we catalog or follow that journey, right? And uh, it is very similar. And now, and I remember when I was talking about it, a few years later, a company came out called Smashfly and some other companies that were that started to use this term and coin it. Now, I'm sure I wasn't the first one nor the last one, but I remember one of my colleagues says, Bez, you were talking about this for to me the longest time, and I just couldn't make sense of it. 
sort of like how you and I might be talking to others about Web3 and they're like, go away. You know what I mean? So, um, no, I, I celebrate the marketing function. Um, I'm not an expert in it by no means, nor is that my domain. Um, I sometimes think, um, you know, when I saw Mark's interview and he blamed HR for something, um, it just it just told me that, you know, when people make certain statements, you can tell if they're in the domain or not, or they know what they're talking about, just like you would if someone started talking about marketing and making some statements, you knew where they were in their capability and maturity because you're, you practice this domain a lot. Am I not, am I not, not right? Correct. Jaffe, right. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably in the same boat as Mark in, in the sense that, that HR and recruitment is not my domain either. Um, I could also say, I mean, you are, you, you know, everyone's right. Um, and everyone's wrong. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I, um, uh, I mean, I wrote an entire book called Flip the Funnel about custom experience and, and, and I don't have a one day's experience working in CX or CRM or any of that. Um, I, I but think, you do, well, you do. I mean, I well, mean, think about it because where did customer experience come from? But if, but if custom experience and retention, but, you know, retention is the new acquisition. I'm saying you can grow your business from the inside out. I, also I agree say, with that. I also want to say one thing. Another thing I picked up from the Lululemon story was the fact that, you know, I'm finding this is almost like an amazing litmus test. Like more often than not, I think that this is going to prove to be correct. And it's completely anecdotal and directional which is when a company has a specific name for their employees, then that tells you something, right? Uh, American Express are now starting to call their employees colleagues. You know, Disney calls their employees um, cast members. So we found out today that Lululemon has a name for for them called, uh, I think, educators or there's another word for them. To me, uh, yeah, they call their employees educators, Um when you have a name, and in this case, obviously, I'm not talking about the Sweat Collective because the Sweat Collective is like branding community, which is something different. But I think, you know, when you when you actually like, I mean, in Built to Suck, I actually have a section that says ban the employee, and I'm talking about the name. You know, so when when you are talking about your talent as employees, that tells you something. When you're talking about your talent as anything but employees, that tells you something else. You know, it's not pushback, Bez, but here's what I would say to you. I think sometimes when a marketing generalist like Mark or myself comes in um, and and then looks at a specialist area, because we are, by definition, if we're generalists, we're jack of all trades, master of some, right, or master of one, not master of none, but master of some or master of one, Um I think the difference is that there is <clears throat> some humility or disclosure and uh, um, and I'm only talking about myself in this particular case to be able to say, like, I use self-deprecation. I basically say, like, I approach flip the funnel. I admit to my lack, <clears throat> my lack of experience, but I actually, I double down on it and I say, I'm coming in like a child like an ignoramus. Like I'm coming in and saying, hey, wait a second. Why do you say you're very important to us? Your call will be answered in one hour, 42 minutes. Why do you tell me that I'm so important to you um, and it will be answered in the order it was received and yet, and then, and, and yet you're going to make me wait an hour and a half? <clears throat> Why do you tell me that due to an unusually high call volume, wh- what's unusual about it? How long has it been unusual? Why is it unusual? Is it unusual because your customer service sucks? Or is it unusual because if you're an airline, um, there's a massive storm or a natural disaster that is like really creating havoc with travel? And by the way, even when that happens, could you not have anticipated that? If you are an airline, surely weather is something that, happens, you know, like shit happens, weather happens. 
So could you not anticipate or create those um, contingencies, what happens when there are unusual weather patterns? So I came in and I, I almost leaned into that innocence or naivete or childlike. I mean, you know, it was, it was premeditated naivete, if that makes sense. Right, I was coming in and being and, and and basically saying, "Hey, this doesn't make sense. Like this, like this is this is dumb, you know." And but I can respect that. Yeah, I can but respect I, that but, because you 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 know you came in with humility and you framed it correctly, right? It's like uh, you know, and, and people experts in a function can respect that and learn from you and be open with you questioning ways of being done and why. Maybe we need to change it, right? But you came in with a different mindset, uh, in you know, and your approach. So that is very respectable, right? So that's my two cents. Yeah, and and and, <clears throat> and just to be clear, you know, Mark, especially if you're listening, uh, <clears throat> Mark hasn't done anything else, right? We're not talking about Mark. At least I don't think we are. You know, and I think maybe. Um, I mean, listen. This is this is conversation, right? Um, I in rereading Mark's section. I'm not uh, being an apologist here. Um, uh, you know me. I'll disagree with you, and you can disagree with me if we deserve it. Um, I, I don't think Mark was was at all. Um, you know, kind of saying that he was an expert in those fields. He was actually saying community is a massive. Uh, there is a massive appeal and benefit for internal marketing too. And I think you agree with me on that one, right, Bez? Absolutely. And I agree with you that there's an opportunity for community with HR uh, or the people function, right? So I, I, I can definitely agree with that. I think it just triggered something for me when, I, you, know, I, you know, I respect him as a marketing uh, expert. And then one time he was being interviewed live and uh, it was a video. And, um, you know, I saw something come out of, his uh his brain that did not sit well with me and i quickly responded and asked about his line of thinking and um you know when i thought it was you know the the host of the show asked him a question that i felt he might just maybe didn't feel comfortable with and he just sort of you know went with something and he didn't know that, you know, somebody in HR who's been doing it for three decades was in the audience, right? Uh, well, I, I I caught him speeding, right? <laughs> and, and that was it, you know, and I was like, so now that's sort of in the back of my brain, but it doesn't diminish his expertise and what I respect to him about his domain in marketing, right? So that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think I think, you know, one thing I've learned as well is that, well, switching gears slightly, but I think it's an interesting conversation too, is that, you know, when you are, I mean, I suppose if I'm being a little uh, snarky about it, I'd say, you know, it's tough at the top, but it's worse at the bottom. Um, but yeah, it is, it's tough when, when you are a, pos- a person and, a, and in a position of um, authority or visibility or publicity, you are, people are going to take pot shots at you. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, I mean, in, in the space of, of Web3, uh, let's talk about it in context of the word FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, FUD is, I mean, it's, it's natural, it's normal, and I don't even mean FUD, FUD, but I'm saying people are going to see what you say uh, in and out of context, and they're going to hear what you say via first and second and third persons. Um, and the question is, what do you do about it? Um, and, you know, honestly, there are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I've always given as advice, and then I'm going to give you a little caveat. I've always said that when your community steps up and stands in and speaks up and defends you, that is the ultimate, right? And I'm talking about from a brand standpoint, Right, so when when your community will defend you, your honor, you know, and I mean that is the ultimate because you don't have to be defensive. You don't have to have your PR people step in. You don't have to, um, and sometimes depending on how contentious the issue is, 
you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you keep quiet, um, you know, you, you get slammed for not speaking. And if you speak up, you get slammed because everything you say will be twisted and taken out of context and and scrutinized and analyzed. So you are between a rock and a hard place. It is a lose-lose. It is a catch-22. Tough, right? That's just the way it is. That's life. Now, if your community steps in for you, I mean, that's that's just something different. Now, the caveat is it depends on what's being said by whom and about whom, right? Um, it absolutely does matter if it's if it's personal, if it's you know highly sensitive, if it's um, you know if it's um, uh, controversial. You kind of do need to step in, and you can't allow your community to step in or step up. In other words, you know, at times a leader or a brand has got to be able to say, "Thanks, I got this. I appreciate your efforts." I got to this 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 is on me. This is I've got to, you know, step, you know, step up to the to the plate. I've got to sit at the table here. And that is responsibility and that is accountability. So there are two ways to think about it with respect to um, you know, being able to to speak up or or maybe not, you know, even the word defend is is um it, it, it's, a, it's a loaded word, right? Um, respond is a better word. Like enjoying the conversation, I said, you know, step number one is to listen. Step number two is to respond, right? Step number three is to join or be invited to join. Step number four is to catalyze. Step number five is to start the conversation. So response and responsiveness is important. You know, you never... If you can, if you can, um, if you can not attack and not defend, that is still better. By the way, and so just to be clear, another point I would make is when a community member steps up and defends or attacks, that is not great. You don't want defend and attack. What you want are facts. What you want is a response. What you want is sometimes you do need to defend. Sometimes you do need to be able to, but but I think this can also be done without emotion too. So there's there there are interesting layers associated with um, with community in general. Now, obviously, we spoke today, and most of today's uh, collective cafe was about why community is the last great marketing strategy. Brand communities, customer communities, um, employee communities or educator communities, cast member communities, um, but also realizing that in a community, there are different voices. There are big voices, there are small voices, there are leaders, there are followers, there are active people, there are passive people, um, and and there's no one size fits all. Like in the case of today, it'll be very interesting. Um, now, I, I can say this as an experiment. Um, there are a couple of ways um, that this can go down today, right? So this is like a live experiment. Number one is nothing. Is I put out the episode um, and I don't do anything different to what I would have done otherwise. You know, in, 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 in the actual show notes, I'll say today we discussed Mark Schaefer's belonging to the brand um, and, and I, I could choose maybe or not to say, and there was an interesting debate um, where and challenge um, uh, relating to Mark and leaders, right? I could say that and just put it out there and, and see what happens. Will somebody hear this and tell Mark or will Mark hear this? Is Mark, you know, remember I say, don't pay for attention, pay attention. Is Mark paying attention? The other thing I can do is is ping him because he's a friend and say, Hey Mark, guess what? We actually ended up uh, um, referencing your amazing book today, and I read through um, chapter three, the business case for community, and there was a really interesting dialogue with one of my community members. I think you might want to listen to it, 
and and you know and you know up to you if and how and when and why you respond so there are two approaches which one which one is better i don't know right and then of course the ball is in mark's court and it shifts does mark attack does he defend does he join us maybe next thursday and and talk a little bit about this um you know um and how secure is he or not to be able to deal with it you know when when jason falls wrote his book um i think it's i think it was called marketing is bullshit or something like that he totally attacked me and i never spoke to him for like 10 years i was so pissed off with him that he like he, he didn't even know me he didn't even know me and he just whatever i rubbed him up the wrong way or you know there was something that he just again he read something i said or or he heard something i said or and he just whether it was in or out of context whether his perception of me was that i was arrogant or that i was you know or or you know didn't understand his business um and instead of it i i don't think i attacked him publicly but i just kind of retreated and i said you're dead to me basically and i remember like avoiding him and ignoring him and whatever during covid he came on my show and we did a little public uh, uh, like a, a reconciliation and a bit of a public apology and we both admitted where we were wrong and or childish and or could have handled things differently today uh, jason is a friend he runs the marketing podcast network which actually um, powers the collective cafe to go and the the podcast version of joseph jaffe is not famous we both grew through the process um and you know and the only thing i regret is that i didn't clear clear it up earlier because i wasted years of not being his friend and you know and and living in my own head and you know what when when somebody says something about you and you can't handle it it's probably because there's a little bit of truth to it too and you have to be able to deal with it you have to be able to deal with your own insecurity but also you know the reality that you know i i, I love the quote i use it all the time right from from one of the shows vanilla is the most popular flavor but no one will drive across town for it so it's almost impossible to live your life um other than being completely inconspicuous just being another number another data point um never standing up in the crowd sure you can live your your life that way be completely average and and be happy i'm not knocking it but if you ever want to be remarkable exceptional stand out succeed pull ahead differentiate you're always going to have to upset a few people along the way now how you handle that how they handle that how you handle that well that's the million and billion dollar question and i think one of the things that's even coming out if i had to like just put a bow around this entire conversation it is that you know when we say why community is the last great marketing strategy i'm sure it's even mentioned in the book but it doesn't mean it's easy it doesn't mean it's all you know bed of roses there's there's going to be conflict there's going to be politics there is going to be you know OGs who don't like change and there are going to be necessary endings community you know the minute that you have two or more people in anything there is going to be natural tension and friction like if you needed any uh, proof of that how about marriage how about the fact that there are sky high divorce rates so the minute that two people come together there is sure to be a sense of conflict how you deal with that conflict is critical but you know as mark says in this book i don't know if if mark was quoting someone um but in this chapter you know this goes back to cave men belonging the book is called belonging to the brand that's what we want we want connection 
We want sense of belonging. We want validation. We want to feel like we are important. We don't want to be like, in a way, Bez, going back to even you today, you know, Mark never responded to you. That may not be, there may be many reasons, right? One of the reasons could be that he never saw, like, and I'm, you know, I'm speculating. I don't remember what you said, but he maybe he didn't see or hear what you said. Maybe he did and he wanted to, but he forgot because he was traveling or, you know, or um, something came up or slipped his mind. Um, maybe, or maybe he just chose not to. I mean, there could be any reason, right? I don't know. Um, but I'm saying, like, that's another thing is we, we all want validation, and to know that what we say has meaning and value. And so, you know, I only say this very openly today because this is what we do in the Collective Cafe, um, is we just talk very openly. Um, and, um, you know, if I was a betting man, I would bet that Mark would, would step up and come to the table because I know him. Um, and that's not leading him. That's basically what I think. I'm not going to go out and I've decided, like, in this show... Like, whether one of you do is up to you or someone listening. But I, other than just posting what I would normally post, I am not going to overtly um, speak to him about this part of the conversation. We'll see whether it finds its way back to him. That's the experiment. Yeah, and I I don't think you should because it's not a big deal. You know, know, since you brought it up, I was... uh, just mentioning it, community is a tough nut. I mean, why are 80,000 books written about it? You know, it more than 80,000 books. It is not easy. It's hard. And it's hard for every domain that has tried it and uh, done it well, done it bad, done it mediocre. It, it, it's a journey. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the dip, most difficult thing about community is that there's always someone trying to control it when at the core and at its essence that's not what community is about right and um so that's why it's so difficult because as it evolves you know when does it become go from community to organization and when do you need to set some boundaries and and when is enough enough and when is not enough, not enough, right? So it, it's so no, I, I I have no ill will towards Mark. I respect him and his domain, but don't get it twisted. I'll 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 defend and protect my domain um, as long as I live because I've got something to say. I don't think I know it all, and I think I can I can still learn for another forty years if God willing, right? But um. No man, it's all good. I it's all good. I love yeah. I, I love conversations like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, it wasn't boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 I'll tell I'll tell you this is why, and I'll just kind of leave with this and then, you know, I'm gonna uh get to the airport is um I am a big believer um that you know, I've said this many times, when I'm sitting on a panel and I say something and someone says, I disagree with you, and they explain what they're saying, I keep quiet. I don't respond to them. I don't respond to them unless they ask me for a response or the moderator says, Joe, do you want to like, you know, what do you think? And, and the reason I do that is because I don't, I don't, you know, like, I want people to make their own minds up. I don't feel the need to have to be defensive because then it's like, because then it's, because then I'm going to respond and then they're going to respond and then they're going to respond and then I'm going to respond. And, you know, and, and it, it just seems, <laughs> it seems unnecessary. It seems unnecessary to, to then go backwards and forwards. Let people make their own minds up. Um, and, but also appreciate, um, also appreciate the fact that the diversity and the difference of perspective is what powers this world. By the way, I changed the, uh, I was trying to activate the POAP today and it wasn't working. Um, so I changed it. So just use XOXO 
as the um, as the code, and that should work today. And um, I will uh, hopefully um, be able to join at some point tomorrow live from Miami. Um, so um, I may need you to step in tomorrow, Bez, but um, I'm sure I will be a part of some of it tomorrow. And then I look forward to uh, sharing with all of you on Monday, my experiences from NFT Miami and how my experiment with my POAP goes. So uh, thanks for joining today and I will uh, I will see you hopefully tomorrow. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.